Today we are in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 to verse 16, looking at the person and the power of the king, the purpose and the program of the kingdom. Isaiah chapter 11 is a continuation of the prophecy begun in chapter 7, which will conclude with chapter 12. There is progress and development through this section of prophecies, which were all given during the reign of King Ahaz, the bad king of Judah. In the preceding chapters, we have seen a time of judgment, a time that the Lord Jesus Christ called the Great Tribulation Period. Chapter 11 here is one of the great messianic prophecies of Scripture. It speaks of the coming of Christ to establish his kingdom and the type of program he will have in his kingdom. In chapter 12, we will have the culmination of this section of prophecies where we will see the worship of the Lord in his kingdom. Let's look at the person and the power of the king. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Isaiah 11 verse 1. Now this is very interesting. It says that a rod out of the stem of Jesse. You see, David is not mentioned here. The one who is mentioned is David's father. Of course, that means he is in the line of David. But why does Isaiah go back to Jesse? Well, the royal line did begin with David. Jesse was a farmer, if you like, a sheep owner, a shepherd, who lived in a little out-of-the-way place called Bethlehem. But by the time of Jesus, the line of David had sunk back to the level of peasant, you see. It is no longer belonging to a prince raised in a palace, but it now belonged to one raised in a carpenter's shop. So Isaiah therefore here very carefully says that the road comes out of the stem of Jesse. Branch here means a life sprout. So this is the second time we have a reference to the branch. The first time it was mentioned was in Isaiah chapter 4 verse 2. Now there are 18 words in the Hebrew language translated by the English word branch. This is one of the titles given to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53, he is a root out of a dry ground. Delich, the great Hebrew scholar, wrote, In the historical fulfillment, even the ring of the words of the prophets is noted. The nech, meaning branch, at first so humble, was a poor Nazarene. And he is making this statement in reference to Matthew chapter 2 verse 23. You see, Christ had a humble beginning, born there in Bethlehem, a city of David, but a city of Jesse also. And again, with his international mission, Jesus Christ is already identified there with Jesse. And you know, then that goes back to the grandmother who was Ruth, who happened not really to belong within the tribes of Israel, but who was a Moabite. 
And of course, when you go into the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1, you are introduced to these four women who were really strange. Yet the message comes clearly. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And of course, in his kingdom, he will be the Savior of the world, not just Israel. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11 verse 2. Now, this is the sevenfold spirit which rested upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The plentitude of power is the sevenfold spirit. Spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. You see, the number seven in scripture does not necessarily mean perfection. The primary thought with the number seven is fullness or completeness. John 3 verse 34 tells us, For God does not give the Spirit by measure. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, we are admonished, Be filled with the Spirit. Now some of us have a few drops at the bottom. Others are one-fourth filled, and some are half-filled. And very few Christians you meet are really filled to the brim with the Spirit. A little girl once prayed, Lord, fill me with the Spirit. I can't hold very much, but I can run over a whole lot. Now, very few Christians are just brimming full, running over on all sides. The Lord Jesus was the exception to that. And the charge to us is we must be full of the Spirit. But let's look at this. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ in his humanity went forth in the power of the Spirit. When he comes again, he is going to rule in the power of the Spirit. He is the Spirit of the Lord. He is the Spirit of wisdom. Now, the Spirit of wisdom, you see, tells us that Christ has been made to us our wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He is the only one who can lead and guide you and me through this life. We are no match to the world today. The Lord Jesus Christ could say, For the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. John 14 verse 30. You see, Satan cannot find anything in Christ, but he can always find something in us. We need the spirit of wisdom, and the Lord Jesus Christ is that spirit of wisdom. On the Lord has the spirit of understanding. Now this means spiritual discernment. It is distressing to find that so few Christians have any discernment at all. I'm amazed the way some people will follow a certain man purely on a human basis. They like his looks or the sound of his voice and they never really understand what he is saying or if what he is saying is true to the word of God. Christians need the spirit of understanding. We need to be aware of who is for the Lord and who is not for the Lord. This is why Christians are even called upon to test all spirits. For it's not all who say, Lord, Lord, are actually children of God. 
or all who say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, will actually enter heaven. It's only those who do the will of Jesus Christ. My friend, have you ever prayed for the spirit of understanding? Ask God to give you the understanding that you lack, and he will give without measure. On the Lord is the spirit of counsel. On his children, it's also needed. You see, all of us need counsel. Did you ever notice that the Lord Jesus Christ never asked anyone for advice? He never asked for counsel. He gave it. He did not say to his disciples, what do you think I must do? But he told them what he had come to do, and he told them how they were to go about God's work. We need counsel. The Spirit of God gives us wonderful counsel. But also, we need power. He is the Spirit of might. Oh, how we need power. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Philippians 3 verse 10. We need that today. And it is simply not power to demonstrate before people, but it is power to overcome sin, power to be able to see things from God's point of view. If God will use you powerfully in his own way, still the credit goes to him, not for your name, not for worldly acclaim, but simply for the glory of God. The last two, number six and number seven, the characteristics of the spirit is the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, I think these come through a study of the word of God, knowledge and the fear of God. Then you depart from evil. Go into the scripture. Your word is the lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. You see, here is Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3 to verse 5. We are talking about the purpose of the kingdom. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Now, these verses too provide an accurate description of the coming Messiah. He was to be a descendant of David. He was to be filled with the Spirit, according to Matthew 3 verse 16. He would be a merciful but true judge of many kind. The work of the Holy Spirit in the person of Christ Jesus included leading him. Luke 4 verse 1, inspiring his teachings. Luke 4 verse 14, 15 and 18, enabling him in the working of miracles. Luke 4 verse 18, and being involved in his offering up of himself. Revelation, the book of Hebrews 9 verse 14. Then his resurrection and his crucifixion were also part of the work of the Spirit. Romans 1 verse 4. Now the wicked should be translated the wicked one. Here we see that Satan will have his heyday on the earth during the great tribulation. There will be no deliverances for the world at that time, humanly speaking. Even Israel will cry out, 
But help will not come from the north, the south, the east, or the west. Help will come from above. At that time, the Messiah will come and establish his kingdom. Now, the reason for the Lord Jesus coming to the earth is quite evident. This earth needs a ruler. The world has not voted for him, and it would not vote for him. But God has voted for him. And since this is God's universe, God will establish him on earth, and he is going to judge. Not after the sight of his eyes. There won't be a lengthy court case. There, no, no. In the end, the criminal is turned loose. The whole thing is rather terrifying. There will be two judgments, one for the believers and one for unbelievers. At the beginning of the tribulation, believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Then, 1,007 years later, there will be the great white throne judgment for the lost. And my friend, one day I am going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that is funny, that is pretense in my life will be brought out in the open. And so I have been trying to get rid of that which is funny. I want things to be clear because someday the Lord is going to turn a light on my life and everything will be exposed. What a light that is going to be. It is rather terrifying, but it should motivate us to make things right now so that when we appear before him, we will not be ashamed. We will have confidence to appear before him. And the thing that will gird the Lord's reign will be his righteousness and faithfulness. The purpose of the reign of Christ on this earth is to bring in a reign of righteousness and justice as well as to restore the domination lost by Adam. As well as to restore the dominion lost by Adam. So it will be a time of restoration. But what are the particulars of the kingdom? The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Isaiah 11 verse 6 and verse 7. Now these verses describe the results of the Messiah's rule over the earth. The primary result would be an incredible peace that would reach all of creation. Now, this is an age not yet come. It is yet to come. To spiritualize the verses by saying that they reflect the perfect peace of God in heaven is to reduce the passage to an absurdity, my friend. During the time when the Lord Jesus reigns on this earth, the calf and the young lion will lie down together. The only way they can lie down together today is if the calf is inside the lion. It is eaten. Why? Because we are not yet restored to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. That seems ridiculous to us. Anybody knows that a lion does not eat straw, but the day comes when the one who made the lion will be able to make him eat straw when the time comes. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. 
for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11 verse 9. The kingdom shall extend over the entire earth. And where is God moving history today? God is moving history, is moving all things towards that one God where the knowledge of God shall fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. We move on now to the program of the kingdom. Having seen the particulars of the kingdom, what will be the program of the kingdom like? And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Isaiah 11 verse 10. Now this is the key. The key verse is this phrase. In that day. In that day. That day begins with the tribulation and extends into the kingdom. The Gentiles shall have a part in the millennial kingdom. The phrase, the root of Jesse, is another name for the Messiah there. Of course, it comes back again. Here is Isaiah 11, verse 11 and verse 12. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shina, from Hamanth and the islands of the sea. He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. You see the Lord here, he will lift up a standard for the nations. Once Israel is reconciled to God, those very nations which brought about Israel's exile will be used by the Messiah to help assemble his people from the four corners of the earth. Remember that Abraham had received a covenant promise in Genesis 12, 18, 22, and 26, but the nation itself had little understanding of the ramifications of this covenant. Isaiah sought to impress the promises of God upon the people by proclaiming the doctrine of the remnant, that is, the determination of the Lord to keep a holy, faithful band in a darkened and desolate world, and to gather under the banner of the Messiah the scattered Israelites from all the corners of the earth in a literal return to the land God promised them. After the destruction of the nations, God will gather those remaining to himself. Verse 11 specifies a regathering here. Only one partial regathering has occurred until this present generation. The mention of the second regathering must also await a future fulfillment in the last days. God shall restore the nation of Israel to its land. It will not be some banner that will be lifted up, but he will be the rallying center to the meek of the earth in that day. And that will be the day when meek, the meek will inherit the earth. That is God's plan. That is his program. 
and he will bring it to pass. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people who will be left from Assyria as it was for Israel in that day that he came up from the land of Egypt. Isaiah 11 verse 16. You see, the prophet foresees a time when the hostile enemies of Israel will be at peace with her during the millennial kingdom. And so a highway will run from the enemy territory into the Israelite territory. He is re-emphasizing here the fact that this glorious coming kingdom will be the result of the shoot which shall bud forth from the apparently cut-down tree of David's line. A great superhighway will extend from Assyria to Egypt over the great land bridge of Palestine. Apparently the nations of the world shall come over this to Jerusalem. And what will they come to do? To worship, according to Zechariah 14, verse 16 to 18. So this is an amazing, glorious future to expect. God is still working. He is on the throne. If he has that plan well hatched and kept for many years for Israel, when he says to you, I have plans for you, he is faithful to see those plans through. Trust him. Follow his guidance and leading. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.